Hello and welcome to the first season of the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon, based in a Lehigh Valley part of Pennsylvania. I'm a 1997 graduate of the College of New Jersey with a journalism degree who has worked in sports media for 25 years. For the last three months, I have been sending daily journalism salutes on social media, pairing them with donations to a wide range of journalistic organizations. My intent was to counter cries of fake news, lamestream media, and enemy of the people by doing a little of whatever I could each day to help. The next phase of this project is to learn more about the groups that I've been saluting. That's where these interviews come in. Who are these groups? What do they do? What do they do best? And why are they so important to our present and our future? We'll talk to people from a diverse set of organizations to try to learn more. Thank you for joining me. On this episode, our subject is trust and the news organization Trusting News. Our guest is Joy Mayer, who founded Trusting News after a 20-year career in newsrooms and teaching. She has taught at the Missouri School of Journalism, one of the top journalism schools in the country, and for the Pointer Institute. First of all, thank you for joining us. This is an extremely important subject as we approach the 2020 elections. Let's begin with the origin story. Can you explain to us what Trusting News is and why you founded it? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for the conversation. I appreciate it. I was, um, I taught at the Missouri School of Journalism for 12 years and the last five years or so, my focus was really on what we call in the industry audience engagement or community engagement. Before that, I worked in design. And so the, my focus, I guess, has always been on sort of the, the act of consuming information, not just the craft of creating journalism. And so I've always been very um, sort of empathetic toward and curious about what it's like for news consumers to, to um, engage with what we do. And I guess in, during my focus in audience engagement, I was just hearing so much about what people thought about journalism, sort of the misconceptions and um, attitudes. And I, I would just find myself surprised over and over again by, um, by sort of the deep roots of distrust. And I wanted to understand that more. I figured we couldn't, you know, journalists were feeling sort of um, helpless about that. Um, or sort of resigned to it, like, oh, I guess that's what people think. I mean, we know it's not true, so what are we going to do about it? And I really wanted to understand it more fully so that I could help journalists feel more empowered to do something about it. So um, when I was leaving Mizzou, the Reynolds Journalism Institute, which is based there, um, gave me some room to do some research around trust, and the project just evolved from there. All right. Can you tell us about uh, how that, that has developed? Yeah, we, um, I mean, it started as just a part-time research fellowship for me through RJI, and um, we now have a two and a half person team and are um, co-hosted by RJI and the American Press Institute. And as we've grown, we have taken on more research partnerships um, to do like academic research about how, um, how people decide what news to trust. And we just have, we've really expanded our training efforts. So we, um, we work with newsroom partners over sort of long-term projects to figure out what is going to work best for them and sort of a deeper consulting role. And then we also run classes, do a lot of workshops, um, and just try to reach as many journalists as we can with these strategies that we, we really think can help sort of transform the relationship we have with the people we aim to serve. I want to talk about the specifics of that in a second. But first, I noticed that on your Twitter page, uh, you make it a point to say it's up to journalists to earn trust. What do you mean by that? What we mean by that is that journalists tend to have a um, a deep desire to be trusted, but that doesn't always translate into a recognition of what they could actually do to make that happen. 
So, you know, for example, um, you, you know, someone's going to say, your news should be free. Why do you have a paywall? And the journalists just aren't, they don't really have a counter narrative. They don't really take time or have built into their routines a process to explain to people, here's how journalism is funded and why we count on community support. Or, um, you know, people think that you are purposefully only quoting people from one side of the story. Well, you know what, uh, maybe they missed the story you did yesterday that was a deep dive with another group of stakeholders. And are you even there in the conversation pointing that out and inviting people to find it, um, to find your work more credible? We, we really believe firmly in listening carefully to the audience feedback you're getting, even when it's difficult to do that and uncomfortable to do it, and to try to figure out what is it we really wish people knew about what we're doing. And then how are we telling them what the things that we wish they knew? Because nobody else is gonna do that for us. So we can either accept that people don't understand our work and don't find it credible, or we can decide to do something about it. I want to reference something that's on your website. I'll just read it uh, quickly here. Any newsroom across platforms, ownership structures, and topics that stands behind its mission and ethics should make optimizing trust part of its job. That includes committing to standards of transparency and ethics, dedicating staff time to understanding distrust, explaining their purpose, their decision-making, and their process alongside their journalism, and using every available medium and method of communication to demonstrate credibility and actively invite and respond to audience feedback and suggestions, all of which you've just talked about. So I'm a newsroom and I reach out to you. What happens? How many organizations have come to you? Oh man, well, we work with newsrooms in a, ver in a variety of ways. We have, um, gosh, I don't want to give you a wrong number. Um, many dozens of newsrooms have like worked with us sort of longer term on like projects where they say we really want to work on this can you help them and they keep a log for us about what they're doing gather some metrics we check in regularly um, and those relationships kind of evolve over time and then um, you know it's another couple hundred probably who have participated in a class or a workshop and gotten sort of one-on-one -on -one coaching from us um, and then lots more than that who have been through you know just sort of more um, informal or smaller trainings so there are a lot of different ways that newsrooms can work with us we you know we, we are happy to to um, video chat into newsroom meetings. Um, we've done some trainings that way. We've done some like all day trainings in newsrooms in person. So we work with newsrooms in whatever way they are willing to have us help them. We basically feel like any time journalists can give us as a gift, they're so busy. Um, and we just get really excited when, when newsrooms are willing to invest some time in this and we're happy to, happy to help make that happen, whatever they need. One thing that I was pleased to see was that a newspaper that I was familiar with, the New London Day, uh, had uh, reached out to your organization. And they actually published kind of like a, um, here's what happened when we did. Uh, can we use them as a, an example of a case study and just summarize uh, for us uh, what happened when the New London Day reached out to you and uh, how that all turned out? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually met a staff member of theirs, Peter Wappy, when he was a grad student. I spoke to a class of his and he said, man, the newsroom really needs to get involved in this. Um, and so like with them, I think what we, some of the things they've worked on since we met with them, since we first started to work with their newsrooms are more strategic engagement and comments and defending their work. Um, explaining some of the basic principles of how journalism operates. They had some um, in-person events where they invited the community to come learn more about journalism. They have gotten much more proactive about explaining, um, explaining why they cover certain stories and, you know, explaining that there are not nefarious intentions behind how that, why or how they cover certain stories. They also have done some really great work, especially most recently, 
um, since COVID in explaining how their journalism is funded and um, why they did this video series with staff members explaining what their job is and why they were why they rely why it feels important to them and why they rely on community support. So it's really about telling a better story about your journalism. You mentioned defending your work. Um, social media makes that an interesting thing to do. What uh, what tips in particular do you give with regards to defending your work? Would don't do it on Twitter be one of them? Actually, no. Okay. Um, we really feel like uh, it's important to defend it publicly whenever possible mm -hmm. uh, because it increases your efficiency. So if you think about the time you spend in a newsroom, if you get a phone call from an angry reader or viewer or listener and you take the time to call them back and say, actually, here's some things you might enjoy knowing about our process or no, actually, we would never make that decision. That thing you're implying about our ethics, that's not true at all. And let me, let me explain to you why. Um, that's a great thing to do, but it's super inefficient and not scalable because it only reaches the person you're on the phone with. Versus if you manage to do that in a response to a Facebook comment, you're reaching not only the person who made the accusation or left the feedback, but also everyone else who's reading or watching. And also, I would say then, then you have to do it carefully. You definitely have to do it carefully. <laughs> I mean, there are some basics of customer service that we yep. train in terms of like, what tone do you use? Um, sort of what's the content and the tone of what you wish people um, would come away from the interaction with? Recognizing, of course, that you can't persuade everybody and that's not the goal. Um, you know, if someone is just on your, showing up on your page calling you fake news every chance they get, they might not be persuadable, but there are so many other people reading who might think maybe they trust you, but don't have the facts to back it up or wouldn't have the language to defend you if something came up in their own social networks or, um, or maybe just haven't really spent that much time considering whether you are trustworthy and are happy to have information as they sort of round out their view. In my other uh, sphere, uh, the sports world, uh, emotions tend to run high uh, when uh, people respond uh, in comments or on Twitter. And it's interesting to observe how people handle it. Let me segue to something else though. Are there any uh, unusual questions or unusual groups that have come to you looking for assistance? Oh, I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't have any examples of things that like really surprised us. We just, we, we're, we're pretty much happy to work with, um, you know, any newsroom that does work we believe in and our, um, the, the work is really customizable. So, you know, whatever people come to us saying they want to work on, we, you know, we had in our last class, someone who runs a series of um, radio programs covering agriculture and it's basically a one or two person team. And then we've worked with some of the nation's largest newsrooms. So we're happy to work with uh, anyone who thinks they can get use of it. All right, one area where uh, this gets particularly interesting is that it's two months until the presidential election and a journalist job is made considerably harder by having to be what I, what I called the louder shouter. What can journalists do to drown out the cries of fake news uh, during uh, the presidential election uh, story time, I guess, so to speak? And what advice would you give to journalists who say it feels like facts don't matter to their potential audience and it feels like the fight is over before it's even begun? Well, I think it's important to sort of give ourselves um, permission not to try to convince everybody because there really are people who don't believe in facts or who are already convinced that anything, you know, sort of the mainstream media puts out can't possibly be true. And, you know, it might be someday that we are ready to develop strategies just for them. I am much more worried right now in 
the people who are persuadable and the people who, who want to consume information responsibly or at least still do believe in facts. What are we doing to give them information they need to demonstrate why we're trustworthy? So what we usually recommend to newsrooms, if they're getting a lot of those questions about fake news, is first, acknowledge that the media landscape is full of minefields. Like there are tons of things done in the name of journalism that I uh, have a problem with. Tons of times that I think, man, that is so irresponsible or that's sloppy or that's divisive or um, I'm not even sure that's true or why did they not explain that? And so it's valid to be skeptical and frustrated as a news consumer. I myself am skeptical and frustrated as a news consumer. Journalists are skeptical people suspicious people, you might even say. And so I think that I get frustrated when journalists have a natural defensiveness about being questioned because man, do we question our sources and we question people who give us information. And I would think we would want to sort of stoke skepticism among audience members, not punish them for it. Well, so I guess I would say like, first of all, if you if you're getting comments about fake news, I would say I know it's frustrating. Like I know there's a there are a lot of things out there that it can be really tough to tell what to trust. In our newsroom, we aim to be worthy of your trust. Here are some things we wish you knew. Sort of differentiate your own work from that larger media climate. What advice do you give to journalists uh, with regards to acknowledging why they would use an anonymous source? Well, I would say a lot of people don't understand what that means. Um, some people even think that means the source is anonymous to the newsroom. They certainly don't understand how seldom we try to do that in general, um, how many people in the newsroom need to know who the source is, why we think it, why we think this story, the story that could result from using that source, letting that source remain anonymous is so important that we're going to do it anyway. Um, the standards aren't the same in every newsroom. It's not like we um, have an agreed upon checklist to follow. And people genuinely don't, uh, they, they think anonymous sources happen too often and they have no idea why they happen or how seriously we take it. And that is on us. Nobody else is going to explain to them, here's the policy we have, here's why this instance conforms to that policy. And the ways to do that would be to, to have something that's always visible on your, your homepage or, or things of that sort? Yeah, have it spelled out in your ethics policy. Um, you know, here's why we would do it in general and what criteria have to be in place before we'll publish it. And then in the story itself, say, um, because of these factors, we decided to let this source remain unnamed in accordance with our ethics policy and link to the policy. Make A lot of times, even when newsrooms have ethics policies, nobody ever looks at them and nobody really understands how they relate to choices made in day-to-day -day journalism. There was a Pew poll on trust in the media that you wrote about recently. And there were a lot of things, uh, I think, to unpack from that. And you kind of wrote a piece where you said what they they found, and then you brought up um, challenges and questions. Among the things that are there, I see one that I'm, I'm interested in. It says fewer than half of US adults have confidence that journalists act in the best interests of the public. My response to that was, what does that say about where we are? What have you, what, what is your response to that one and uh, what journalists can do? Well, there is a very strong narrative being pushed by some people in our country that journalists aren't trustworthy and that they hurt democracy and that they are um, slaves to a political or financial influence and agendas. And journalists don't have a counter narrative. 
there's, there's not, people can't look at our website and say, why are you here? What are your goals? How are you funded? Um, they don't hear journalists talking about sort of the passion behind what they do very often. A lot of journalists like to stay sort of invisible. So I guess when there is a constant drumbeat of people telling the public that journalists aren't trustworthy, where's the counter drumbeat? That, that one of, I guess, many things that, that come from that uh, Pew poll. Was there anything else from, uh, from that article that you wanted to highlight? Um, I think it's important to know that um, there was an interesting bit about corrections and, you know, journalists a lot of times don't want to draw attention to something when they've gotten it wrong, but seeing corrections actually increases trust, increases confidence. People then believe that, oh, I guess if they get it wrong, they're at least going to tell us that they got it wrong. Um, and I think that that, you know, previous research has shown that as well. And it's just when we are transparent about our processes and about our errors, um, it actually builds trust. And I don't, we don't, I don't think there's a, a lot of philosophical resistance to that, but there it's, people are having so much trouble finding time to adopt these new routines and to make, you know, the, the, the act of explaining your work, I guess, is not really built into how journalists think about their job so far. And so that's really what we're working on. So by the time that people have heard this, uh, you will have spoken at the SPJ National Convention. What What is your topic there? And uh, just can you give us a, a summary of what, what your uh, talk was? Sure, we're gonna talk about defending your election and political coverage. So we're gonna talk about, um, you know, that, that election coverage feels core to what a lot of journalists do. Um, not all journalists cover elections, of course, but as news organizations, it tends to feel like such an important part of what, what we offer. Um, but people have basic questions about how we work to be fair, about our sourcing, about how we use polls, about um, you know, other ethical decisions, about um, blurred lines between opinion coverage and news coverage. So we're just gonna go over some examples of what journalists can do about each of those things. and. You know, again, that's that concept of counter narrative. Do you work hard to be fair as a political journalist? Um, where is your evidence for that? How would you back that up? And what do you wish people knew about you? Do you have ethics? Great, what are they? Um, and, and what story do you wish people heard about that? With regards to fairness, uh, what, what are you specifically, what advice do you specifically have? Well, there's so much that happens behind, behind the scenes with journalists about, um, you know, how should we treat this source? Do we want to include this thing? Um, are these poll results worthy of publishing or are they um, not quite sound enough? Um, how much time are we giving to different stakeholders of this issue or to different candidates in this race? All of those decisions are invisible to the audience unless we share them. Journalists tend to sort of take it for granted all the time we spend standing around desks debating word choice or photo choice or, um, you know, headline or, there, there's so much that goes into journalism that people just don't have any idea about. And that, again, that's, that is on us. So um, if you look at a story before you publish it and think, what choices did I make as I did the story? What would, you know, if, I wish people could just see me report. What is it you wish they were seeing? What, what is it you wish people could witness? And then how do you go about including that information? A couple of more questions for Joy Mayer from Trusting News. What are the future goals of the group? Well, since I started to work in audience engagement, I've said that my goal is to work myself out of a job because I would love for this not to be needed. I would love for earning trust to be a built-in part of all journalist jobs and for separate training on it not to be required. Uh, until we get to that point, we are, we're launching an SMS course for um, trusted elections coverage so people can get a daily text message with a tip. We're, we're working on a lot of different training formats so that we can be as accessible as we can to journalists. 
we're eager to be able to start traveling again and, and doing in-person workshops and visiting newsrooms. We really just want to reach as many journalists as we can. And we also would like to keep doing partnering with academics to do real research so that newsrooms have as much data as they can have that the strategies are effective. I usually, uh, if I'm interviewing someone in sports, I say, tell me about your, your team and your players. Uh, just briefly, tell me about your staff. Yeah, sure. Lynn Walsh is based in San Diego and she has a background as an investigative TV journalist. And she's, um, she's my partner and the uh, assistant director of Trusting News. And then Molly Muchna is based in Tucson, Arizona. She's our project assistant and she still works in a newsroom in Tucson and then works for us part-time. And uh, the three of you put together a newsletter regularly. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yep, absolutely. It's called Trust Tips and it comes out every Tuesday afternoon and it is one quick actionable tip for earning trust. So it's not a lot to read. It's one basic idea. Journalists, we hope you'll do this with an example of how another newsroom has done it. I will include a link uh, within the show notes regarding that. And then the last question, um, can you pay it forward as we like to do here? Is there a journalism organization that you would like to salute? Some of our favorite folks to partner with on research is the Center for Media Engagement at the University of Texas. They do an absolutely phenomenal job of um, providing academic research into how people actually consume and perceive journalism, but they keep it very, very practical. Um, they, you know, each study involves real tips for journalists and what they can do as a result of the information. So it's a real pleasure to work with them. I wish more people knew about their work. All right, thank you, Joy Mayer. Uh, thank you for joining us. You bet, thanks for having me. The lack of trust that people have in journalists is disheartening. This is something that is going to take a considerable amount of time and work to fix. As Joy Mayer said, journalists have to earn trust, and the best way they can do that is by producing high-quality work and being ready and able to explain what went into what they do. For more information on this organization, go to their website at trustingnews.org. I recommend clicking on the link to start earning trust to read about the seven strategies for newsrooms. There's lots to learn there. The Journalism Salute is dedicated to the memory of Dr. Robert Cole, known as Father Journalism at Trenton State College, the College of New Jersey. Dr. Cole impacted hundreds of students in his 33 years at the school. Trust and integrity were highly valued by Dr. Cole. You earn trust from him by showing up and putting the time in. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. If you're interested in following along with us, follow us on Twitter at Journalism Salute, S-A-L-U-T. There are more episodes to come. Thank you for tuning in.